is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. back to horror queers we're talking david cronenberg we're talking nipple play and we're talking the wrong solaris and i'm joe and i'm trace and we're talking an uber jason that shows up in the last 14 minutes of an 87 minute movie oh so well timed so well timed i'm not gonna i am not sure uh, we're talking jason x everybody because <laughs> why is that joe because it's motherfucking friday the 13th ladies and gentlemen or it will be on friday Yes, but if you're listening to this on Friday the 13th, then good for you. That is great. Then today is Friday the 13th. I love that we're doing this as almost a sequel to our last Jason episode, because this is technically de facto the next entry in the franchise. Yes, that's true. And um, if so, we, we did skip a Friday the 13th, though, because December had a Friday the 13th, but we didn't do another film yeah. like that. So maybe we'll do like one a year. I don't know. We'll see how it goes out. One seems like a reasonable amount. Yeah, I think that I think that's good, especially <laughs> since you don't like this franchise very much. Yeah, we basically covered two of the three that I like now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, but you haven't seen all of them, though, have you? Oh, gosh, I don't know. They all blend together to me. I maybe I've definitely seen the first couple. I don't know if I've seen three. I think. I've seen parts of five, but I may have obliterated it from my memory. Five is a movie that I used to defend. <laughs> Listeners, if I am repeating anything I said in our Jason Goes to Hell episode, I apologize. We recorded that like last July. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you definitely off. talked about how, yeah, like you did a re-ranking and some of them shifted. Right. Number five is not a good movie and no. everybody accepts that. But, 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 hey, but the important thing is, have you seen the seventh one, which is Jason versus Carrie? Yeah, of course. That's the other one that I like. Okay. Have you seen the sixth one, which is Jason Lives, which is the first one to go meta? I don't think so. I think that's the one I'm missing. I think that's the one you need to see because I think that's the one you're going to like a lot, like genuinely like, and think it's actually good. Whereas you like Jason Goes to Hell, but I know you don't think it's a good movie. No. Oh, no. But yeah, I mean, the rewatchability on that cheese factory is high. But yeah, I mean, I would enjoy genuinely enjoying a film in this franchise. And let's move on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So y'all, we're, we're to- it's also kind of weird that we're talking about this movie so quickly after Hellraiser Bloodline, because literally I was watching the um, Crystal Lake Memories portion on uh, this film, and they bring up Hellraiser Bloodline because it's another in-space movie. Mm-hmm. So, Joe, when we talked about Jason Goes to Hell last year, you mentioned that you loved Jason X. Yes. How does it hold up for you on a rewatch? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually deeply disappointed. I was very excited to revisit this film because I... Okay, so I have heard numerous podcasts making fun of this film, particularly Kill by Kill. They broke it down in their usual way, so they spent like four or five episodes on this, and they absolutely hated it. But it's because it was the 10th in... Like, they had literally done nine previous versions of this. So by the time they got to 10... They hated it. They were ready to be done with the franchise. And I felt like they were doing the film a disservice because I remember this film being tons of fun. 
And I'm sad to say it's kind of a mess. There are fun things about this, but overall, I was kind of deeply disappointed with this when I went back to rewatch it. I won't fault you for that. I still do enjoy this movie quite a bit. It's not one that I want to rewatch a ton. I do think it drags quite a bit in the middle section, especially. Oh, so bad. Yeah. And, and for a movie, I mean, it's 91 minutes before of them are credits, so we're looking at an 87-minute movie. Honestly, though, the opening credits are probably two minutes, so really 85 mm-hmm. minutes. I don't even know. But <laughs> it's... <sighs> The biggest thing for me, and again, I rewatched this movie last year, and I didn't remember that Uber Jason is not in this movie that much. It's mostly just Jason in space, as per usual, mixed with that military scene from Hellraiser Bloodline. Yeah, and that part goes on for what feels like forever. And again, we don't fucking care about these characters because they are not characters. So mm-hmm. the cutaways to the characters that we kind of know, but even at this stage don't, like the teenagers slash college students slash fully mature adults, like it just, that whole middle section of the film just did not work for me. And it drags this film down so that by the time we even do get to the killing of the main characters, I've lost a little bit of interest. I still think it's fun, but like, I used to think it was fun because it was like, oh, it's like, it's not as bad as everyone says. Mm-hmm. Now I think it's fun because it is actually pretty bad. Yeah. I do think there's a back and forth between, I mean, as we discussed in Zombievers, whether the film knows it's bad or not. And there are times when I feel like it does. Mm-hmm. But then other times when I'm like, I don't think they know what they're doing. No, I believe you have hit the nail on the hammer. No, damn it, I did it again. Hit the nail I on the believe hammer. you have... <laughs> Fuck, I can never get my my analogies right. Yeah, in Zombievers, they firmly had tongue-in-cheek that entire film. They had a masterful control over tone. They knew exactly what kind of film they were making. Here, some of these lines you think, okay, yeah, they're doing that meta humor, and it's kind of working. It's a little bit cheesy, but that's okay. And then other times you're just thinking what the fuck this is not good like they did not think this line through they did not think this plot development through it really feels like a product of multiple different creators which kind of is what happened i will say that i think that the most successful parts of the humor in this film are when they're actually poking fun of the franchise itself specifically as many people will probably agree the vr sequence in the end But then when they just try to make general jokes, Mm -hmm. those are when it falls flat for me. Oh, you mean the Microsoft conflict trace? I... mm, Because what the fuck? Like... Uh, Wait, what about hockey being outlawed in 2024? <laughs> oh my god. I I will confess, I think one of this film's biggest failures is its arbitrary decision to go 450 years into the future without a production budget that can sustain any level of creativity. Like, it seems as though the decision was made, okay, let's move it four centuries into the future. No, 400 years into the future. And I'm sorry, wait, wait, wait. You're it's 4.55 centuries according oh to KM14. Oh <laughs> when she said that, I was like, you can't just say 455 years, bitch. I know, right? <laughs> and I mean, the math they don't even get the math right because I think at one point they say, like, the professor says of Rowan, he says, I've got a 450 year old girl here, and I'm like, she's not zero 
when she's frozen in the past timeline. <laughs> like, she was frozen at age whatever, 25 or something. So she would technically be 475 years old, you dumbass. It, yeah, it's, it's real silly. I think the important thing with this movie is, though, that it was released almost a full three years after it was filmed. And you can see that. This feels like a film of the late 90s. And I have made jokes about this film in previous episodes saying that I thought this movie was filmed in a garage. And Mm -hmm. they were jokes. But I really do think this movie was filmed in someone's garage. Or one of the lower case uh, film studios here in Toronto. Like... (laughs) It's very Canadian. You have that right. Oh my god, it is so fucking Canadian. Literally every person in this cast, except for Kane Hodder, is the most fucking Canadian person you've ever seen on Canadian television. Because none of them are movie stars. Yeah. The biggest name in this film is fucking David Cronenberg. Well, okay, so... I never watched the TV show Andromeda, but I remember seeing commercials for it, I feel like, a lot in the early 2000s, like, on sci-fi or something. Did did, did you Mm -hmm. watch that show? I did not. It was not my bag. Okay. So I I always lumped it in the same group as, like, Battlestar Galactica and other space shows. It's probably the closest to Farscape, but Farscape people would take offense to that. Okay. Well... Okay, so let's just let's just fucking dive in. So, Jason X, released in the United States on April 26, 2002, despite being filmed in the summer of 1999. However, mm. here's the big thing. So, it was released by New Line Cinema, but it was released in Spain on November 15, 2001. The thing with this movie is, so, hey, okay, uh, sorry, 91 minute runtime, $11 million budget or $13 million budget. The, the report seemed to kind of vary. Either way, this movie does not look like either one of those budgets. It looks like it's a $2 million budget tops. Mm, I mean, the FX, they don't look good, but they're probably expensive to do. Maybe in 99. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. So this movie, I bring up the Spain release date for a reason. So this movie made $6.6 million opening weekend. Again, April 26, 2002. Not really a time when you think you're going to see a Friday movie. It went on to make $13.1 million domestically, an additional $3.9 million overseas for a worldwide gross of $17 million. Apparently, after it was released in Spain, this movie was leaked online. And... At some point in the lead-up to the release, it was, like, considered the most pirated movie of all time in 2002. Hmm. So people think that that was a reason why it didn't do that well at the box office. You know, overall quality, critical panning aside, uh, apparently everyone that wanted to see this movie just bootlegged it. Yeah. Uh, Call back to our Hostile Part 2 episode where, once again, if you've already got a small market for something and then people can just pirate it for free, people be dickheads and they're going to do it. And then, yeah, the grosses are going to suffer. Would we call the market for this movie a small market? I don't know. I mean, I said that and I realized that we are talking about one of the biggest franchises in horror. But by this point, the audience for Jason movies was pretty specific. It was like your hardcore Friday the 13th fans. I, I I agree. And sometimes I think that we... Sometimes I think that we think, and by we I mean you and me or even just the horror community in general, think mm-hmm. that the horror community is larger than it is. Oh, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, we, we are small but mighty, but at the same time, let's not forget niche 
horror products are not going to break big in at the box office like it takes a certain property to get out to people who are not in the horror realm right but then you look at the remake of friday the 13th in 2009 which opened in february of 09 mm-hmm. and that makes 45 million dollars opening weekend you know yeah it's a very different time for horror though and that film is filled with cw level hot stars yes. that they can market right like this film has no one that they can market on well but Going back to Halloween 2018, which opens to like 70-something million in opening weekend, goes on to gross almost like $150 million domestically. Mm -hmm. I mean, that movie, I think, had the benefit of, I mean, it's going to be eye-rolling, but like the Me Too stuff. It's also the 40th anniversary. It is, and I do think that while people hated the idea at first of them skipping, like ignoring all the sequels, I think the idea of saying, hey, you don't have to have seen the nine sequels to Halloween, or the, the eight Eight, yeah, no, mm-hmm. seven sequels and <laughs> two remakes of Halloween. Right, um, you just have to see the first one, and this is essentially Halloween too. I think that ma- that helped that movie a lot. Yeah, well, I mean, the issue here, coming back to Jason X, the only reason mm-hmm. this movie even fucking exists is because they couldn't get Freddy versus Jason off the ground. Right, and it's really funny to me because what Jason Goes to Hell was nineteen ninety three, uh, so it was ten years before we got Freddy versus Jason. So. Th- they were trying to get this movie out probably in uh, late 99, early 2000. Mm-hmm. Try to get it out before the end of the decade before people apparently forget who Jason Voorhees is. Yes. And I didn't do too much research into this. I apologize, listeners. But, you know, based on what I watched on the Crystal Lake Memories documentary, they had a different script for this movie. Or at least at the time. Because this, this is the weird timeline for me. They're filming in s- summer of 99. But in the documentary, they said they had a script, and then, and, and I quote, and then Scream came out, which would have been December of 96, mm-hmm. and they were told, make this more like Scream. So how long was this going on before they actually started filming the movie? I don't know. I get the impression that they had an idea and probably a tentative script immediately after Jason Goes to Hell. And then that film didn't make enough money, so they just kept kind of putting it off like, hey, want to make that Jason movie? Oh, sure. Opens desk drawer, puts document screenplay in, and closes drawer. And then Scream revitalizes the genre. They probably think, oh, wow, okay, let's polish that script off. Let's throw some meta commentary into it, and let's get Voorhees back up on the screen and then it just takes way longer than they ever expected because this thing is basically the mad libs of friday the 13th movies right it's do we want to do jason in space or jason on an island or jason in the snow or whatever like they just threw a bunch of ideas out and then they landed on space because they thought well that way when freddy versus jason gets made we don't have to try to retcon anything because we'll just say oh this one takes place in the future well yeah, and you're you're right. I mean, ugh. I'm loath to say that the people making this movie didn't care about this movie because I'm sure they wanted it to be decent enough that they could make money off of it because they were coming off a fairly big flop. But the ideas that they were tossing around suggest that they also really just wanted to get something on screen. Yeah, but the writer for this movie is Todd Farmer, who is a writer that I actually like a lot of his work he co-wrote my bloody valentine drive angry and well i didn't see trick but you did and you said that wasn't good oh hated it but he's a frequent collaborator with patrick lussier who directed my bloody valentine 
and Drive Angry. And I think Drive Angry. And yeah. Trick. <laughs> yeah. The first two of which are good movies. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently Trick is not. But nah. what what I do appreciate that was in that Chris Light Memories documentary is they, they're all very much aware that the final product of this film isn't what they wanted it to be. And I really do think that, I mean, granted, I don't need to see the original script of this movie because I don't really give a shit. But, but it does sound like when they say, oh, we were told to make it more like Scream, that threw a wrench in their plan. Now, does that mean that what we would could have gotten would have been better? I don't necessarily believe that. <laughs> no. There's very little in this finished product to suggest that we were going to get a great film. It probably just would have been a lot more straightforward. Yeah. And, but that's the thing, though. Do you want that, or would you rather have this? I don't know. Once upon a time, I thought that this movie was really fucking funny and kind of clever. And I thought, I think initially, that they used the space conceit fairly well. I don't feel that as a more disconcerting adult, but... Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're thinking about this film being marketed to teenagers, who is, you know, the target demographic for horror films traditionally, you know, yeah. low, low teen boys, I think jokes about robot tits and funny costumes and Jason slashing people up in hologram spaces is probably your bag. I, I, I agree with that. And I think this movie has a charm to it. It's not good. But it's better than... <laughs> we just keep saying that. It's not good, but... <laughs> I know. Drink every time we say that, everybody. But but no, but I think... I mean, again, given some of the other Friday movies that I've seen, like, I think it's better than Five. I think it's better than Ghost to Hell. I think it's better than Manhattan. Um, yep, that's it. So... <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I, I, I was waiting patiently to see how far you were going to take it. And I feel like you ended it on the right note. But, um, yeah, before we get into the plot of the film, I do want to point out that, unfortunately, the director of the film, Jim Isaac, uh, his other notable films, I use notable in quotes, sorry, guys, is Skinwalkers and Pig Hunt. Uh, Pig Hunt, I have seen the cover of many a time, so I've never actually pulled the trigger on it. I heard terrible things about Skinwalkers. Well, yeah, I did, too. And that one went to theaters. Pig Hunt was a straight-to-DVD. It might have been... I don't think it was one of the eight films to die for, but it was like in one of those like maybe Dimension oh, right. Extreme or something like okay. that. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, Jim Isaac did die of blood cancer in May of 2012. He still got to record some footage for the Crystal Lake Memories documentary. But um, it's it's weird. It's one of those things where it's like, um, oh, kind of like my Bloody Valentine, the original, where they put the unrated like stuff in the DVD, but it's like a noticeably lower quality. Right. His interview footage in this documentary looks like standard definition compared to the high def of everything else. It's kind of weird. Hmm. But yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. Is there anything about the production you really want to bring up? I mean, we've talked a little bit about it. I just think it's funny when you read some of these stories. We were talking about this offline before we started recording. And a lot of it starts to sound a bit like urban legend. There's a weird air of uncertainty that accompanies some of the stories about this like when did they actually have the script how much of it was meta comedy Mm. what was the actual premise like we you know i found this article that i sent to you that suggested that the opening was originally supposed to be horny teens falling through a frozen floor on top of jason and then finding a centuries old condom and having sex and that's what reanimates him (laughs) and that's the kind of thing where you think well, that sounds almost ridiculous enough to be believable, but also, can it be corroborated? I don't know. Yeah, I, 
Mm. I know. <laughs> I like the idea of that because it, it, if anything, the thing this movie needs is to be more stupid and more crazy. I mean, it's like going back to Zombievers where it's like there are times when it's like, I think it thinks it's being funny and it's not. And that's a problem with this movie and makes it feel boring sometimes. Well, and on the parts where they're just playing it straight lace, like the parts that are clearly aping off of Alien and Aliens are by far the worst part of this film. Oh, yeah. Because once again, you're reminding me of way better films that I would much rather watch. And also those films looked good. They had a good production design team. The creature effects are amazing. Like you're also aping two way better directors. Just like don't ape aliens and alien in my Jason movie because it's not going to come off well for you. I mentioned this on Twitter uh, last week and I don't think you're going to understand this, Joe, but the production design and all the sets of this movie are derivative of a 1999 Disney Channel original movie called Xenon Girl of the 21st Century, which had Raven <laughs> Simone in it. <laughs> I mean, you said a bunch of words and I'm sure they mean something to someone. Cetus <laughs> Lapidus. Um, you don't know what that means either. <laughs> I don't. I absolutely have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to send you some screenshots later of Xenon, and you're going to be like, oh yeah, that's Jason X, but Disney. Oh man, was it also filmed here in Toronto? Oh my god, it was filmed in Vancouver! <laughs> I think this movie was filmed in Vancouver too! No, this one was filmed, so Jason was filmed in Toronto, which is why it has David Cronenberg. And to clarify for American audiences who maybe don't know, that would be like saying LA versus New York. So Okay, well no, nevertheless, it's in Canada. <laughs> Canada is really big, Trace. <laughs> I'm only letting you get away with that because this is a very Canadian episode. Oh, well, there is another Disney Channel connection in this movie that I will bring up later. Okay. Uh, I feel like before we get too much further, we haven't talked about the fact that people always think that this film is a flop, but it's not because of the money it made on home video. Oh, shit. Yes. I don't know. I don't know the exact money, but... And maybe it's, like, that morbid curiosity of, like, well, it's Jason in space, so I have to see it. But I didn't want to, like, go to see it in theaters because I was going to be embarrassed. So I'd rather, Absolutely. like, go to Blockbuster and rent it there so the uh -huh. so the clerk can, like, judge me. Yeah, apparently this is one of New Line's, like, most successful Friday films simply based on home video sales and rentals. I can 100% buy that. Like, if you go to Blockbuster and you just see a wall of Jason X... The poster's dumb, but you're probably thinking, you know what? Yeah, I haven't seen one of these in ages, and this would have been the first one to have been released in the advent of DVDs. That is true. The tagline for this movie, too, was like, um, well, there was Jason Gets an Upgrade, which was the most common one, which I like. But then there mm -hmm. was like, um, I think when it was supposed to come out in like a summer, it was like this summer, meet the perfect 10 in terror. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, because if you didn't know, the X is for 10, because this is the 10th Friday the 13th film. Is there anyone who didn't know that? I don't know. Maybe. So, anyway. Yeah, I... You know what? It's mm -hmm. good Good for this movie. It made sure. money. It just not yeah. in theaters. No. And, I mean, really, it was a couple of years until we got another iteration. So, if people don't like Jason X, you can just... Forget about it and, I guess, go on to Freddy versus Jason? Ooh, and listeners, if y'all saw this in theaters, because I did not, let me know. Let, let us know. Tell us that experience. Was it empty? <laughs> right. 
Yeah, this is one I did not see because I was not a fan of the franchise, so I had no desire to really check it out. Even though it looks silly. I remember the trailers thinking, you know what, that looks a bit like dumb fun. Well, oh, actually, no. That's important to bring up, too, though, with the marketing. I, I The marketing and the poster, like the trailer and the poster, spoils the Uber Jason reveal. And mm-hmm. I... Someone had informed me recently that the that was supposed to be a surprise, like a third act surprise, which I think might have been oh. better. Because if you go see this movie expecting Uber Jason, you got to oh, wait yeah. a while. Yeah, that's going to be disappointment because you're going to spend the entire movie just thinking this is a regular Jason. Mm-hmm. Literally. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Anything else or should we go into it? I don't think so, man. Fuck this movie. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So we open on exceedingly late 90s graphics of Jason, Kane Hodder, being reanimated at the Crystal Lake Research Facility. So I wrote Mm -hmm. in my notes because, again, having seen this movie so many times but forgetting what they were doing, I wrote, oh, so we're in hell, because I was like, that makes sense, because Jason went to hell in the last movie, we're in hell. Wait. Oops. But are we? No, we're in his brain. (laughs) Like, literally no attempt to explain how he went from hell to here, which is, again, symptomatic of the fact that they thought they'd be churning out other films in between this, but it's just so weird that we open with something that maybe leads you to believe, oh yeah, we're going to address that cliffhanger at the end of the last film. Oh wait, no, we're not. Never mind. So Jason is apparently awaiting cryostatus, but of course this doesn't make any actual sense because then why are they wait, reanimating him? They're, they're, he's awaiting it at the Crystal Lake Research Facility because mm-hmm. that exists. Yes, so the camp that we saw in all of those previous movies has been turned into a research a research facility that they have managed to track him to and somehow disarm him in such a way that they need to repair his brain. Well, because we're, well, I say we're introduced to him like chained up, like standing, but we, we, I, we aren't. No, they're doing weird injection y things into his brain over the course. Yes, which I honestly have never noticed until this viewing, but they don't really explain anything. It's just kind of nope. there. I mean, the only thing I could think of is the fact, well, maybe bear with me for a second. So, yes, so he gets chained up. They leave the mask on for reasons. And then we're introduced to Rowan, who is meant to be our final girl heroine? She is. No, hey, I I like Lexa Doig, and uh, she is in the aforementioned Andromeda series, but I actually know her mostly besides from this. Um, she plays Talia al Ghul in the Arrowverse on Arrow. Yeah, I was trying to figure out why we've talked about her before, because we 100% have, because I remember mentioning that I know her from Continuum. Well, she's another one of those actresses that like has done a lot of TV, like tons yes. of TV. This is how Canadian actors survive. Which is great. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> she is a fantastic Talia al Ghul. She can fucking like kick Marion Cotillard's ass um, in this right, movie. She's, oh, she's a big old snooze factory. She's just there. <laughs> yeah, she is present on screen. And perhaps it has something to do, I don't know, again, in this article that we were trading back and forth, mm-hmm. one of the quote unquote trivia was the fact that she, as well as the actress who plays KM, mm-hmm. Lisa Ryder. Thank you. She and Lisa Ryder were both cast in Andromeda at the same time as they got this movie, and they apparently had a hard exit. Like, they could not film Jason X past a certain date, 
or there would be financial repercussions because they had to go and do Andromeda. So I wonder, I've always wondered if that has something to do with why there isn't more Rowan in this movie. Like, did they have to shoot all their scenes in a certain amount of time? And then the rest of the time they were like, we don't have Rowan in this scene. Maybe? I mean, because... Honestly, one of the big problems for this movie is that there are three survivors. And I'm counting KM as a survivor because even though she's just a robot, she's a mm-hmm. character in this movie. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I'm a little shocked at the survival rate of this film. Would it surprise you to know that there was meant to be a fourth survivor? Because Rowan was supposed to have a boyfriend that they cut out of the script four days before shooting? Ooh, well, good call on that because we don't need that. Also, what the fuck? So we end the movie with two couples? Yes, exactly. Okay, that's stupid. And of course it would have been boy, girl, boy, robot? Yeah. Android? We should say android. She's not a robot, she's an android. Aren't they the same thing? Roboticians would say differently? Did you just make that word up? I 100% did, but I'm sure that there are people <laughs> whose actual jobs it is to, like, construct AI. Okay, okay. Because I think Android is, like, more of the capacity to think for themselves, like KM, as opposed to robots who are more, like, please Services, drink off this tray. animals, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so this guy throws a blanket on Jason in the Crystal Lake Research Facility. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So at this point, we're introduced to Dr. Wimmer, who is played by David Cronenberg. And the reason that he is in this movie is because the director, Mr. Isaac, is his protege, apparently. So Cronenberg gave him his entire crew and also said, I would like to appear in your movie under the condition that you kill me. That's interesting. Maybe when we get to the desk, we can like more desk, we can talk about it more. But I don't think that the gore effects are that impressive in this film? There's a couple that are okay, but for the most part, well, well, whenever they're FX related, they're usually not very good. And apart from that, it's a lot of stabby, stabby, machete stuff. Yeah, there's one particular death that could have been great, but they don't show it. And when we get to it, I will point it out. Oh, there's so many deaths that they don't show in yeah. this movie, considering. <laughs> Given their yeah. fucking 11 to $13 million budget. Maybe it's in Canadian money. I don't know. Oh, maybe the thirteen million is Canadian and the eleven million is. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Maybe. maybe, yeah. So Wimmer and Rowan have this battle of wills because she wants to put Jason on ice, and Doctor Wimmer wants to transfer him to Scranton over open country. You just so thought of the office s- with that, right? A hundred percent. And I have no idea whether or not to think that for sure. <laughs> I mean, The Office started after this, both the British and the American versions, I think. American for sure. I don't know about the British one, but that wasn't Scranton. That was the only American one. But still. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those unfortunate things where your ear pings when you hear it and you think, oh, that's unfortunate. See, I never watched The Office, but my husband loves it. So he, like, whenever I'm busy doing this, he's usually watching reruns of The Office on Netflix. So when you mentioned this to him, was he like, oh, yeah, I remember that one episode where Jim and Pam are having, like, a romantic spat and Jason just happens to be, like, decomposing in the corner? (laughs) Your attempt at humor is about as successful as the attempts at humor in this movie. Yes! Canada, come through! (laughs) Canadians are funny. What are you going to do? Apparently not. And, you know, according to this film, we don't even have fucking hockey anymore. But, uh, no, it was outlawed in 2024. We've only got four years left. 
yeah, got to make those years count, people. Ugh. All those poor NHL stars are going to be unemployed. I Okay, that we never get a reason for that, though, as to why it was outlawed. I'm just like, so really, bad. a movie? It's one of those things where they think just dropping the line in will be funny. And you're like, but I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> Bel- believe, so anyway. you, believe you me, January 1st, 2024, I'm going to be on Twitter saying, when is hockey getting out a lot of people? With a screen capture of this quote. Oh, 100%. Okay, so these two are not in agreement about what should be done with Jason. He wants to study these regenerative abilities. She's like, fuck no, he's killed 200 people, so no. And uh, unfortunately, we don't get any further discussion because, of course, Jason has already escaped. He kills everybody except for Rowan. And then we get, this sequence goes on for far too long, in my personal opinion. But uh, she shotguns him into a cryo chamber, and then he stabs her with his machete. Well, because she she feels the need to, like, get in front of the glass and stare at him and be like, I got you, motherfucker. But even, like, when she's shooting him, I just kept thinking, shoot him a couple more times and just be done with it. She shoots him once. She kind of pauses. She shoots him again. She kind of pauses. <laughs> like girl get on with it already (laughs) it's slow like i feel like this movie should be quicker like more quickly paced and it takes so long for cuts to happen so that's why this particular sequence for you feels like it drags and why the military sequence coming up later really fucking drags i can't i just can't Mm -hmm. yeah it sinks this movie yeah Ah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, so she gets him into the cryo chamber, but he still stabs her through it, and that initiates a breach in the cryostasis process. The door seals. The room is closed off, and they both are frozen. So then we cut to this film isn't even fun enough to give us the timeline. Wait, we just have to have it in dialogue. I do have a question though, and I'm rewinding mm-hmm. a bit. How did he get out of his chains? Oh, how did he get out of his chains? How did he get that other guy up onto that? platform how did he get the chains back onto that guy didn't he like i think he even changed his clothes all the people walk into this room they uncover the guy with the blanket oh it's the other guy it's not jason and then all of a sudden jason's behind them which again Mm -hmm. it's like a trademark of this franchise oh he teleports wouldn't it have been Mm -hmm. better if they had actually leaned into that and been like wait (laughs) how did he do this it doesn't make any sense no but seriously there's only one door to this room this doesn't make any sense guys and it's a wide open industrial like warehouse room and they don't see jason anywhere in there it's fine yeah yeah i mean if you're looking for anything resembling common sense you're probably looking at the wrong film because jason x doesn't make a lick of sense which would be fine if it was more fun it, if it leaned into <laughs> it harder yeah Okay, so let's meet our resident group of idiots. We've got a bunch of students. They unearth the freezer-burned Jason, as well as Rowan, who is mysteriously on the floor covered in weird piping ducks. I didn't understand that. I guess in 400 years, something fell over on top of her. Um, I did make this note, though. So when they entered this space, the only thing to signify the passage of time is fake Party City cobwebs that are hung all over the walls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, Mm -hmm. because... 
The spiders didn't get affected by the cryogenic freezing. <laughs> they also didn't become super spiders or anything remotely interesting like that, nope. unfortunately. This isn't Lost in Space, the movie. Oh, God, no. I don't want to talk about that either. Okay, so we know that they are from the future because they have no idea what Jason's mask is all about. That's when we hear that it has been outlawed. And they apparently also don't know to not touch cups in the cold because one of them, Azrael, who was played by Doug, of Tiefenbach uh, gets one stuck to his hand and then when he tries to break it off he accidentally falls into Jason who then falls onto him and cuts his arm off with the machete and at this point everybody says you know what let's just collect these two popsicles and let's bring them back on board the ship another question I have so he's freaking out over the loss of his arm but not really well (laughs) no but he's like oh my arm I'm never gonna get it back and mm-hmm. KM fixes it by, like, sealing it with some kind of future goo. Which actually looks kind of okay. It looks fine. But they all know they have this nanotechnology shit that repairs things. Correct. So he should also know that his arm's going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, and the extent to which you can use the nanotechnology to heal someone is completely unclear. Because some people are basically fully dead, and they're reanimated. And then other people, you think, okay, well, they just died. Why don't you just take their body over to the nanotechnology station? Dude. No? No, we're just going to leave them behind? When okay. we get to Miss Adrienne and her cryogenic frozen head, I'm going to ask that same fucking question. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> So we bring the Viables on board our Class 4 catamaran, which is named Grendel, which is not at all confusing when all of the names in this movie sound identical. Dude, all right, wait, wait, wait. Let, let, let me tell you. So besides Jason and Rowan, we have KM-14, mm-hmm. yep. Sunaron, mm-hmm. who I've always called Sunaron until I realized that they said his name, Sunaron. I'm going to pronounce it Sunaron. Sure. Janessa, which is fine. I fucking love Janessa. Janessa's great. As a character and a name. Oh, yeah, clarify. both of them. Kinsa, who I remembered liking a lot more when I was younger, and I found her utterly obnoxious on this viewing. Oh, yeah, she's your typical stupid girl who cries in the corner. Yep. She is the Emmanuel Shrieky from Wrong Turn of this movie. <gasps> yeah, she is. Um, and Stony. That's all I got. Oh, I'm sorry. But you want to reference Alien again? The writer, Todd Farmer, plays a character named Dallas. I, I was not a fan. He's fine. I saw what you were doing, Jason X, and I was not a fan. It's fine. Okay, so they are brought on board this ship, which is called Grendel. Now that we've thrown a bunch of names at you. Gr- Grendel. <laughs> just remember when you hear Grendel, Grendel. you hear a G name. Grendel. Like, like it's Grendel. Grendel and Christie. <laughs> no. There's like a Greek myth or something that has, uh, it's like Grendel and something. Um, Be- Beowulf. Beowulf and Grendel. Okay. Does that relate at all to a ship? Is that meaningful? I don't think so. But it's like Grendel. It, I'm right, sorry. Grendel. Continue. <laughs> anyway, so it's important to note that this ship is comprised of equal parts grunts and moronic university students. Mm-hmm. For n- Never explain, though. No. I... I wasn't sure. I saw a couple of people speculate that these are Indiana Jones-style archaeological students, so they get accompanied by these grunts on this ship to go and steal from various planets that have been abandoned. And I was like, that is way too much thought to put into this movie. That is not 
really substantiated. One of which is Earth One, which we have learned has been destroyed by pollution. So this movie is mm-hmm. also a green movie. <laughs> yeah, this is basically Wally with Jason. Yep. So this is when we hear that we are 4.55 centuries into the future, and apparently everyone has been rendered into walking libidos because every single man that we encounter, when they first hear that there is a woman who has been recovered, they just want to fuck her. Yes, and <laughs> that is correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Again, not how you use the yes and, but I appreciate the effort. I'm trying, I'm trying. (laughs) You're trying. You are trying hard, man. So they use nanotechnology. They repair both Azrael as well as Rowan. And at this point, she confirms that she can do math because she also figures out that she is 400 years into the future. 4.55 centuries. This movie just loves to talk about that. And then as soon as everyone is like, yeah, we got it. They just never talk about the future and, again and act like this is basically 2001. Can we please discuss, though, the outfits for the women that all bear their stomachs? Because, again, that's how you know when this movie was made, right? Late 90s into early 2000s, where we think the fashion of the future is just Britney Spears' bare midriff videos. Even who I think is supposed to be the smartest woman on the ship. Adrian. Adrian, yeah. <laughs> Wearing a fucking crop top to do surgery on a foreign entity. You don't know what kind of fucking Prometheus spores are hiding out in that body, bitch. Come on. It makes no sense. Like, they're not wearing suits. They're just no. wearing their fucking bikinis. It is yeah. insane. It is insane. And unless we're just meant to believe that these nanotechnology things are cleaning out the air or purifying it or you know they're they're they can't be infected with with certain things like but the movie doesn't even bother to spend the time talking about that so we're just left looking at all these kids with chunky knits and weird (laughs) safety pin tops chunky knits yeah i'm gonna give full credit to anything i say about the costumes i'm stealing liberally from kill by kill podcast because Patrick Hamilton so that's and her. Gina Radcliffe love talking about the bad costuming in this movie. We love you guys. Love you guys. But also go watch Xenon Girl of the 21st Century or Xenon the Sequel. I, I will not either of those things. I'm going to show no. you the trailer when this is done. You're going to be like, oh my god. Okay, I will consent to that. That's fine. <laughs> zoom, zoom, zoom. Make your body go boom, boom, boom. I see you found a way to sing again. Good. Oh, there will be more because we're about to have another connection. It's going to happen. <laughs> Well, let's introduce Professor Lowe, who is played by Jonathan Potts. And when I first started this, I was going to make the argument that I wish he and Cronenberg had switched spots. But then I thought about Cronenberg getting his nipples played with, and it just made me feel deeply uncomfortable. Despite the fact that what I know of Cronenberg suggests he might like it, I can't see him submitting to this role. So, Sure. Um, (laughs) You believe that all you want. (laughs) <laughs> I will, good sir. Meh, meh, meh. So Professor Lowe, he sucks. He's a big old money bags. He sees dollar signs as soon as he realizes that he can sell these human popsicles. So he calls Dieter. This whole sequence, I love how he's like, Voorhees? That's not Jason Voorhees, is it? Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. We still remember Jason Voorhees 400 years into the future. 
so let's say with the exception of Jack the Ripper, if you, which we don't know, <laughs> like, Ripper? That's not Jack the Ripper, is it? <laughs> but like... Wait, are you saying Ripper or Rimmer? <laughs> yes. Call back to Hellraiser <laughs> Bullet. No, no, no. But like, a, a, a serial killer from 455 years ago, you see the last name, which is, I mean, it's not a common last name, but it's like multiple family lines have that last name. Right. You immediately spring to that? And can immediately identify exactly how many people he killed? Yeah. <laughs> I think not. I think perhaps not. It's something they teach you in future school. <laughs> yeah, like, here's what we get taught in future school in the 25th century. We get taught about the Microsoft conflict, and we get taught about Jason Voorhees. Pretty much. These are the two things all school children must be able to pass their exams on those two topics in order to become Adrians of the space station Grendel. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, also, have we already passed the part where, I think it's Kensa, when they're looking at the body and they're like, I bet he's hung like a mammoth. So uh, they don't know what hockey is, mm-hmm. but they know, but they what, know what mammoths what mammoth are. Is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this movie needed to spend a little bit of time deciding if we were going to have people know things about the past, but also are we going to make up future jargon? Because the fact that they don't know hockey, but they know mammoth, and they also speak like regular people, like dialogue has not changed in 400 years. Allow me to point to you last century when people talk completely differently i think they should have been like i bet he's hung like a snarf blat that would have been funny right or at least you could be like oh well that's something interesting maybe it'll come back later and then in the simulation they're killing snarf blacks yes oh my god better movie once again please pay us to rewrite your screenplays (laughs) because we can do this shit like nobody's business for real yeah, so Stoney, who is played by Yanni Gelman, and then Kinsa, who is played by Melanie Johnson. But, Yanni Gelman, mm-hmm. did you read my oh, cheat Oh, this sheet? is your connection? Yes, it is, because he is the villain, Paolo, in the Lizzie McGuire movie! Oh my fucking god! <laughs> Paolo and Isabella! <laughs> you know, we were doing so well. We had gone for so many episodes without mentioning Lizzie McGuire. I think it was like three luckily he is dead quickly but yeah this movie came (laughs) out like about a year and a half before actually about a year before lizzie mcguire did um he is also in 47 meters down he's one of matthew modine's like assistants but yeah he pops up in this movie and i'm like it's paolo paolo isabella Uh, so what you're saying is Stoney faked his death so that he could go on tour with Lizzie McGuire later. Hey now, hey now, this is what dreams are made of. Yep. Oh, God. Oh, no. I'm saying no to that. I'm not <laughs> consenting to any more singing in this episode. But yes, that is Yanni Gelman. <laughs> okay, so these two are horned up for each other. They can't resist making out in front of a decomposing body so they get kicked out of the room by adrian uh who i've not introduced i had she's somewhere who could care she's the oh christy angus sure she's like the more she actually is in the documentary and she's fine i mean i'm not gonna lie the movie almost sets it up to make you think that she's going to be important so it's a little bit surprising when well, basically, we've got Stoney and Kinza, who have sex, and then we've also got Professor Lowe and Janessa, who is played by Melissa, either Aid or Addie. I'm going to say Aid. Uh, 
aid. Okay. So they, they both have sex and yeah, we can come back and make fun of the very tame BDSM sex that they're having and how that somehow allows her to pass a midterm question mark. Yeah, it's, um, I'm sure the film thinks it's funny. It's just weird. It's a little unnecessary. It's another example of this movie trying for something that it doesn't really reach. Yeah. This movie thinks that this is hysterical. In the future, people do nipple play. Ha ha. Ha 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 ha. (laughs) Also, yeah, they aren't even fucking. So she doesn't even have to, like, take his dick. She's just twisting his nipples with some medical clamps yeah it's a lot of dry humping plus medical clamps and the medical clamps look exactly the same as what you see nowadays maybe a little bit bigger but again i say to this movie you are 400 years into the future why of all things is this the same we've not come up with more sexy fun time games to play we're gonna have to come up with a shorthand for this question like so we don't keep asking it. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, so it doesn't get fucking redundant and boring to listen to? I, yeah, okay. Like, schlabadehinu! Okay, that's the question. <laughs> okay, I will attempt to remember that. <laughs> so anyway, so we've got these two couples who are porking, and apparently the sexual energy on this ship just wakens Jason up. Which is, of course, a running gag. I right? like this. I think this is... The, because yeah, yeah, it's edited with, like, you're watching the body, and you're watching Adrienne doing her science thing, and then you're mm. watching the fucking or not fucking nipple play, and yeah. it goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, and then boom! Jason sits up. Yeah. Adrian hears nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> not, not the crinkling of ice shattering off of his body? Mm-mm, not the rustling of clothes, not the sound of his, what seven foot tall body standing up off the table you're also forgetting though during the nipple twisting this is also when we get adrian not only cutting off jason's mask which looks pretty good we get your falling nipples oh yes yes okay because i do remember that there were two instances of weird nipples in this movie and the fact that they come so close together no they're they're like practically intercut yeah so KM wants uh, human nipples like Janessa, which is me being like, has KM got the hots for Janessa? Because I, I also read somewhere that apparently some people misinterpret that Janessa is also the girlfriend of Sunaran. Sunaran, yeah. No, um, but yeah. <laughs> I don't buy that because she's too cool for him. I think it's just because of that one scene where she presses him up against the wall and then he says, oh, I could never have sex with you because you got bigger balls than me. <laughs> I do like, though, when, you know, he's like, KM, do you really want these? And she's just like, well, Janessa has them. It's a really endearing moment for both of them because I actually I like Sunaran and I like KM in this movie and I like their relationship. I wish we had uh, more of them. I, you disagree. I think I think both actors are likable. I think it's weird that, he, I mean, we don't have a lot of context for why he built her or how he programmed her, a sex but bot. he basically made a sex bot, yeah. and that's gross. Well, so, maybe 4.55 centuries in the future, it's not. I mean, if we want to say that she is an AI and she has the ability for cognitive thought, then maybe she consents to the relationship. Unclear. Uh, well... It seems certainly by, but for most of this movie that she has her own cognitive capabilities. Yeah. I mean, you don't see him being like, initiate sex program. 
which is a thing that we actually do see in a lot of other movies where we see androids. So. Well, yeah, I mean, even when he's ogling her fake breasts. Oh, which, by the way, though, was an actual breastplate. It wasn't her real boobs. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Yes. That's, yeah, because A, they didn't look right, but also B, I was thinking... These are stalwarts of the Canadian acting industry in terms of television. I'm pretty sure on the cusp of these big breaks, she would not consent to showing her boobs. Yeah, no, it was a breastplate. Um, totally fake. I do like the nipples falling. I think it's pretty funny. Yeah, it's amusing. I could see why people would look at this and just be, oh my god, eye rolling. But I, I kind of find it funny. Yeah. But now this is when Jason wakes up. Yeah, so Jason wakes up, uh, he basically grabs Adrian by the face, he shoves her into a mysterious sink of liquid nitrogen, and then he smashes her. So, this scene has one of my favorite comedic moments of any, like, a comedic technique of anything ever. And it is when Adrian is banging on the glass, and it cuts to the outside, and that one guy is out there just, like, minding his business, and you just see her... In the background, banging on the glass, like screaming when Jason comes up behind her. And Mm -hmm. he doesn't see any of it. It's reminiscent of a scene in Friends when Ross gets attacked on the balcony by a cat. And he's running around and around and around. And everyone's inside the apartment, like not paying attention to it. That is one of my favorite comedic techniques of all time. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, if we want to think of a horror example, we can go back to Crawl from last summer. Where we see the guy getting killed in the background of the convenience store while stuff is happening. No. Nope. The guy in the convenience store nope. is nope. Nope. looking nope. at... Nope. No. The nope. woman getting killed on the boat while her boyfriend is up ahead looking at the house where Caius Cotelario is. Sure. Yes. Yeah. But yes, no, you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. I mean, it's good comedy, which, you know, this film needs more of. What do you think of this kill? Oh, it's fantastic. I've heard that this is a top kill among fans of the franchise, and I can totally understand why. I agree. I think it's fantastic. I... I do wish, like you said, it's it seems like the film is setting up Adrian to play a bigger part. It's a little upsetting to me that we don't get more of her because I do find her more interesting than quite a few of the Anyone? characters in this movie. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that and the fact that she looks like Bridget Wilson. Yeah, it's deeply upsetting. I don't see that, but sure. Well, maybe when we cover I Know What You Did Last Summer, we can readdress. We'll do a side-by-side comparison. <laughs> yes but yeah no i think this is they do a good checkoffs thing when she freezes his eye and you're like oh that's gonna come into play later oh it's coming into play right now <laughs> yeah i mean why does she freeze i i i never understood anything to do with this scene why do they reanimate rowan but then they keep jason on ice and then they slowly dissect him it doesn't because at this point, well, the professor hasn't said, hey, we're going to sell this guy for right. parts. Yeah. Why, like, why aren't they also dissecting Rowan at this point? Well, also, the eye she pulls out of Jason is, like, not really a full eye. And she's manhandling it really rough, like she popped it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, A, that thing is a fucking grape. And <laughs> B, yeah, she did not do a great job of pulling that thing out. Yeah. I do like the, the gooiness of it, though. Oh, it's great. It just doesn't make any sense. Like a lot of things yeah. in this movie. Right. But it does remind me of Cronenberg's famous line where he says, I want him soft. Well, the eyeball is soft. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so at this point, Adrian is dead. Rip Adrian. And Jason has a fancy new 25th century machete. Yep. Uh, for reasons, reasons unknown. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's go back to Rowan. She gets introduced to a bunch of different people, including uh, Suarin, KM. Uh, <laughs> you say <laughs> Suarin? I don't know. My notes, I, I found a bunch of different websites that spelled it differently, so my notes also all say it differently. It's anyway. just Son of Ron. Son of Ron. Yeah, Son of Ron. Got yeah, it. There you go. Apparently he's based off of some computer game. Oh, I could not care less. Sorry if we just offended anybody, but <laughs> anyway, she also meets uh, the last important person that we need to know about, which is Sir. Sergeant Brodsky, who is played by Peter Mensa. And you know, he's like that the is. only other famous person in this I movie. I know. I mean, I, listeners, we, we have discussed Spartacus many a time on this show, but Peter Mensa is, of course, uh, Doctore or Animaeus mm-hmm. from yeah. Spartacus, and he's fucking fantastic on that show with nothing to do here. <laughs> no, he is the most generic of army dudes. But uh, I appreciate a person of color. You know, we got a couple of them in here, so that's nice for a change. So she's been introduced to everybody, so yay, character introductions are done. It's time to realize, oh fuck, Jason is not on the ice lab anymore. There, he wait. is back up and killing people. And I need you to correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a part where she's doing the ex- exposition where she's like, well, we executed him for the first time in 2008, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, all this stuff. We even hung him once. Yep. The correct term should be we hanged him hanged him correct okay Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was just like wait that's not correct movie no and i mean to go back to the beginning where we were talking about how did jason's body get to the position it's in at the beginning of the film all of her exposition here suggests that they were trying to kill jason for many many years so how did they finally subdue him to the point where they could just do shit in his brain and how did that come to be at the crystal lake research facility i, mm, I don't know what was that again schnatterflog schlabadahinu you know what's schlabadahinu man you, you think that i just made up that word but my dad used to say that in place of curse words when i was a kid so he would be like schlabadahinu okay <laughs> So it's, like, imprinted on my brain. Okay, so at this point, let's get to the killing. So Stoney is killed, followed by Asriel and some... Rip Paolo. Off to Lizzie McGuire land with you, sir. That's where he went. And then we also get Asriel, who is still in this movie. Do we want to briefly mention the fact that he's a white kid who has dreads down the back of his... Did you catch that one scene where he like walks down the hall and he's got a two foot rat tail? Yeah, dreads. And this is when we get the Chekhov's VR game. Yeah, I really don't have anything more to say about that except for the fact that they get killed. (laughs) Why? (laughs) I feel like this is a deliberate attempt by the film to do a bait and switch. Like, oh, because we're in the future, we've got aliens and monsters and other things. Oh wait, no, it's just a Star Trek hologram scenario no it totally is but like the cgi looks really bad which when you realize Mm -hmm. it's a vr thing you're like oh that makes sense yeah except for the fact that then there's a bunch of scenes where we see real stuff and we think it doesn't look that much better than the actual shots of the ship in space looks Mm. atrociously bad like i literally call it atrocious in my notes i so in alien I feel like they use a model, you know? They do, yeah. Why don't they do that here? 
Uh, it's a bit of a lost art. I don't know if it was when they were filming this back in the 90s, because there's still a fair amount of that. But, I mean, if you think about it, this film was technically shot in the same year that Phantom Menace came out. Oh, my Which God. is something that Ebert makes fun of in his review. Of this a bit movie? Of a dick move. Yeah, he literally says, oh, when you look at the special effects, he compares this to star wars as well as uh, some other like garbage movie and i was like yeah we're talking about a budget difference of 135 million dollars you fucked hard right sorry for people who like roger ebert i find him aggressively annoying when it comes to his reviews of horror films like you can't compare phantom menace special effects to jason x special effects i i do agree that um yes when he reviews horror it's really obnoxious. Um, I do like his other shit. I'm sorry, liked his other shit when he was alive. Mm-hmm. But yeah, him and Siskel both were very unfair to horror films. And I think... Yeah, they were dicks. Yeah, I think maybe had they been alive today, it would have been a little bit different. But you know what? Product of their times, fine. Yeah. Uh, all this to say, special effects in the simulation, not convincing, but that's okay because it's kind of the point. So... This is when the film falls off a motherfucking cliff, and this is what I wrote in my notes. At this point, the film devolves into a limp version of Aliens, or an on-par version of the space sequences from Hellraiser Bloodline. Alright, so we are going to skip this entire sequence, except for the line, he's screwed, when they're talking about the guy who falls on a big drill. Uh, it's just so on the nose. Like, this is an example of humor that is falling flat, because... It, it's funny when he just falls onto the screw and then you see the body corkscrew down. Mm-hmm. Yes to that. Then to have someone literally comment on it with an on-the-nose reference like that? Nope. Taking it back. Terrible. It's bad. I so yeah, this like is it. a 10-minute sequence. 10 minutes! I was just like... Because after 7 minutes, I was like, this is going on a long time. Let me check. And I saw and I was like, oh, this is 7 minutes. And it goes on for 3 more minutes. And it is insane it's excruciating and you don't know we've met one of these characters before and they are like it is a hundred percent aliens where it's just sarge we gotta kill this thing come on going down a back alley just who could care yeah like who could care not me not me the only thing we really need to know is that brodsky is twice impaled and he makes a quip and then seems to die. Spoiler, he's not actually dead. So, uh, this is funny. I actually thought that the climax of this film involved the ship, Grendel, approaching Solaris and crashing into it. I thought that's what happens at the end of the movie. So, for it to happen immediately after this, Mm -hmm. I was very confused. (laughs) Yeah, it's about the halfway point of the film. Yeah, because you think that they're going to get off, and of course they don't, because Jason has killed the pilot, whose name is Fat Lou, is played by Boyd Banks. Both of the pilots in this movie, their aesthetic seems to have influenced Alien Covenant <laughs> and Danny McBride's character. Because they're just kind of schlubby, larger white guys who wear funny hats. So the ship, Grendel, crashes into Solaris. I did find a funny thing in one review that said, if this is a space station, why did they have a city landscape? Great question. Um, Schmatterfrugal? Also, did you not want to see all the people in that dome screaming? They don't have money for that. Come on. I'm just, they had 13 or 11 million dollars. 
<laughs> 13 and or 11, yes. Yeah. No one knows. Uh, this looks so bad, though. So fucking oh, bad. Oh, it's a cartoon. It is a straight-up cartoon. Yeah, this this looks like a children's-level animation where you've been given $25 and, like, a first-generation Mac and told, hey, we're going to need something by the end of the day. Yep, that's it. It's awful. So at this point, this means that only the students and Professor Lowe are left alive, although the professor is then immediately killed when Jason bursts through the door. And this is an off-screen death. So we've had a couple of these grunts get killed off-screen, but who cares because we don't know them. This is a famous, guys, he was just looking for his machete, which lands with a thud. Mm -hmm. If I remember correctly, this is a line from the trailer. I think it is too, yeah. Not your best, Mr. Farmer. Mm -mm. So, at this point, we talk about the odds. So, Snarin and KM talk about the odds of survival. It is apparently 12% until he kisses her, and then it goes up to 53%. Which makes... the point of contention for statisticians. <laughs> not, not accurate. <laughs> not true. That's not how this works. Statisticians are, like, watching this movie, like, wait a minute. Movie. <laughs> Can't you just see, like, Neil deGrasse Tyson being like, that is not how androids work. That is not how statistics work fire this movie i can buy your hockey outlaw in 2024 but this this is the straw it is a step too far <laughs> yes sir movie uh so the group decides that their best odds of survival is to split up so we send backup pilot crutch philip williams i love how i put all these people's names in and literally they get one line of reference because then they are killed so crutch is electrocuted on the bridge yep and then we've got Kinsa, who tries to launch the shuttle herself because she is terrified. She refuses to let them in. But, of course, it's still attached to the ship. So she blows herself up, just like Alien Covenant. So this scene. So the first time I quote-unquote saw this movie, it was on Stars, <laughs> and we didn't have Stars. Wait, why do we need a quote-unquote? <laughs> well, b because I I'm, get I'm getting there. So okay. we had star. We did not have stars, but I was watching it on stars. So in the olden days, <gasps> was it one of those things where you could only see like the fuzzy blue outline of people? Yes, yes, it was oh, that's like how I watched so much porn back in the day. I Sorry, did not that do that, but okay. <laughs> no. So it, yeah, it was like green, pink, and blue squigglies all over the screen. Oh, you could God. hear everything perfectly, but you couldn't mm -hmm. see anything perfectly. And so okay. this movie and Halloween H2O, I used to watch when they would come on Stars or HBO on those weird blue squiggly channels. And no. I remember this scene when Kinsa dies. I was like, because I didn't, I didn't know. And so I just felt bad for her because I was like, oh, this poor girl is just so sad. She just wants to get away. And then she blew up. Oh, that explains your earlier comment. Because when you said, oh, I liked Kinza, mm -hmm. all I could think was, wow, have you suffered a head injury? Yeah. This character is annoying as fuck. Have we already had the um, Jasons out there? Why don't you stick your head out and have a peek from Janessa? Because I think in my notes, I wrote Janessa is queen. <laughs> Uh, I think it's somewhere around here. Sure, we'll go with that. See, and that's a legitimately good line, and I can't tell you why that line seems to work better than the professor's line, and maybe it's just the delivery, maybe it's that you and I are gay and we like Janessa better. Yeah. I, I, I honestly, honestly, that's probably it, but... Like, Janessa is a mouthy bitch who's hot, and therefore we both like her. Yeah. She yeah. even gets a zinger when she dies, 
and I'm upset by her death. So we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah. Oh, I have thoughts on that death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, okay. So with Kinza gone and the shuttle gone, our crew is more or less down to Janessa Rowan and Waylander, who is played by Derwin Jordan. We've not talked about him at all. Racist. I mean, because he, again, is a non-character <laughs> exactly. in this movie. He is nothing in this movie. I don't even know why he's in here. It's a, a red shirt role. He's here basically to die. Everything seems very bad for them because, of course, Jason is there and they've got nowhere to go. But lo and behold, we have an upgraded KM who shows up in leather dominatrix gear. Love it. Or late 90s version of this. <laughs> Did the movie kickstart for you here? Because... You mentioned earlier, you you mentioned, you mentioned texted me and you were like, I'm watching this movie and it's not good. And I was like, yeah, but it gets mm-hmm. better towards the end. Did this work for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I am actually, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a big fan of KM. I find her funny. I like her line deliveries. I think oh, yeah. what they do with the character here where they give her the upgrade, it's fun. There's apparently quite a substantial group of people who find this character annoying, who don't find that her comedy works. So, man, I imagine this movie is just a full-blown fucking slog for you, if that's the case. Because for me, this is when the movie gets good again. The the part when Peter Mensa tackles Jason and she's just like, I had it under control, but thanks. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That, that is funny to me. She can deliver a good zinger. I think Lisa Ryder probably gives the best performance in this movie because she's having the most fun. Mm-hmm. Well, and also the characters, just something distinct, right? The problem with all of these human characters is that they're so interchangeable. Even Janessa, like she and Lexa Doy look almost identical. And then you throw Kinza into the mix and it's just a bunch of generic dark haired actresses. No, I, I actually used to get Janessa and Kinza confused a lot though. Like for real. I mean, it doesn't also help that both of their names are like Sa, Kinza, Janessa. And they have like kind of high pitched squeaky voices. Do you think Farmer just went through a telephone directory back in the day and just picked a bunch of weird names that he saw and was like, yeah, this will be fine. No one was named Kinza, ever. (laughs) Okay, all of the Kinzas listening, I'm going to need you to write in. Yeah, if you don't know what Kinza, fucking prove me wrong. So KM shows up to rescue everybody. She saves the day. She's shooting him. She's kicking the shit out of Jason in both regular and high speed. Because that's something the film decides to do arbitrarily. It's fine. It's, it's, again... The film needed more of this. Yeah, this is the kind of wackadoodle nonsense that this film benefits from. It This is a legitimate action sequence that feels like it's got an adrenaline shot to it. Like, Kinza blowing herself up, I couldn't give two shits. This, I'm like, yeah, okay, kick his ass, Seabass. Well, also, when Kinza blows herself up, like, she goes up into the ship, and the only thing that happens to everyone else is they kind of get knocked off their feet. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This this ship takes a, takes a licking and keeps on ticking, and... <laughs> Strangely enough, their oxygen is never compromised until it is compromised. <laughs> that is great. I've never heard that phrase. Thank you for that. Oh, it's it's an old-timey one for you. You really just should have just said I invented that, but sure, okay, go ahead. Okay, yeah. That, that was all me. Right off the top of my head. Canadian improv right there, there for you. Go. Okay, so she blows off a couple of Jason's limbs, including a headshot, seemingly killing him. Aside from the fact that she has actually knocked him directly onto the nanotech table. 
But uh, we'll come back to that in a bit. You think an Andrew would have noticed that, though? It actually reminded me of House on Haunted Hill, the 99 film. Because remember, we were talking about the Price's battle and how he conveniently punches her through a wall mm-hmm. and it just happens to be the wall where the infection is. I definitely thought like, oh, she shoots out the outline and then kicks him through right into the medical bay, which is the only place on the ship that will repair him if he is killed. But you know what, though? I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it's- this. It's what movies do. It's fine. If this is the thing that bothers you, you need to probably watch a few more movies. But then we have this thing which is ripped from Titanic because they have less than 30 minutes until they have a core implosion because of Kinsa's fuck up. Yes, the hull is bleeding out, we are told numerous times, and it was the stupidest fucking line I could think. (laughs) But the rescue vessel will take 45 minutes to get there. So it's just (laughs) like Titanic, which... Joe, what is the Titanic connection to this movie? My God, I'm blanking. I'm blanking under pressure. Never mind. It's okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the famed screenwriter, Louis oh Abernathy. God, right. <laughs> <laughs> Louis Abernathy, who uh, wrote the movie Deep Star Six, which was directed by Sean S. Cunningham, who created the Friday the 13th franchise. Um, mm. He is the fat, hairy guy. In Titanic, who is, like, mm-hmm. telling Gloria Stewart slash, you know, Rose, oh, this is how the ship sank. Um, He did a rewrite on the Jason X script. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because reasons. It's a rich tapestry. Okay, so they have, a t- they have a ticking time bomb now. Yeah, so there's a funny exchange between Waylander and Janessa. I like where this. He's like, oh, you're going to get killed. Don't come here, rescue ship Tiamat. And she's like... Uh, fuck that idiot. Come and get us. Please rescue us, dear goes, Lord. Now, her exact phrase is, are you high? <laughs> Which, again, is something I seriously doubt people are saying in the 25th century. No, like, they have yes. some fancy term for getting high. Like, I'm not going to make it up, but it exists. Oh, come on. Make it up. I don't know. Are you schleeming? Why do all of our fake made-up words start with S? I don't know. Are you schleeming? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a combination of my father and Rick and Morty. Okay. Good to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, seemingly, we've maybe got things under control. We figure out that we can blow up some walkways, and that'll, sur- that'll give us enough time to survive until the rescue ship arrives. And this is when we get our reanimated Uber Jason, who appears on the scene. And I love the score that accompanies this. It's this really, because Harry Manfredini, who did all, pretty much every single Friday film, except for eight, Jason Takes Manhattan, did all these movies. And he does kind of like a fun, cool, like epic thing with this. So I like the Uber Jason theme. Now, I sent you a message earlier today because this portion specifically of the score reminded me a fuck ton of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Listeners, y'all will have to prove us wrong. I'll insert something here. But um, let us know if you think it's the same. I, d- I, d- I disagree with Joe. I think he's wrong. But <laughs> Well, of course you do. 
Let us know. I'm not suggesting they're exactly the same. I'm suggesting that it has notes of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Harry Manfredini, you've got some splaining to do. Exactly. But yeah, let me know if I am orally misinformed. Ooh, wow. Uh, I'll orally misinform you. Yeah, right. (laughs) Ah, Things that I shouldn't say on a public podcast. That's fine. All right, so this is when KM tries to take on the new and improved Uber Jason, but she is immediately decapitated. I like this. It's fine. We just get to carry her head around the for the cu- rest of the, the movie. The cut, though, is really funny, though, when he, like, punches. It, it, it's a callback to the Jason X Manhattan kill when he kills the guy on the roof by punching him. It's it's funny. It's very sudden. I just think it, it happens so quickly. It's unexpected. I don't mind it. Like, I... I it's helpful as a signifier to say, yes, this Jason is quite a bit stronger than previous Jason. But at the same time, I don't like then that we just get Lisa Ryder head in a box for mm-hmm. the rest of the movie. Yeah. Anyway, it's fine. No, I mean, I, fine. I understand. <laughs> it's that I like my badass bitch and she works better when she's got a body. <laughs> so this is when Waylander makes a heroic sacrifice because he is a black character and therefore must die. So he decides that he will blow up the charges after he gets locked in the hallway with Uber Jason. The rest of them move into another space. I mean, Janessa wasn't going to do that shit. No, of course not. <laughs> Janessa is driven by self-preservation. <laughs> by all means, bitch. bitch. Go you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do what you need to do to survive Janessa. So he blows the charges, and seemingly we have dealt with Uber Jason, except for the fact that he has punched a hole into the room that everybody is standing in so we create a pressure vacuum uh all of the air is getting sucked out uh which means that all of our survivors are at risk of being pulled out and janessa is the one who is closest she tries to grab onto the floor but eventually she loses her grip and she gets sucked out a hole that is about the size wait of a fist so you're forgetting she lifts a I am not. I just don't say everything. <laughs> no, she lifts a grate off the floor and the grate gets sucked to the hole. And so then when she gets pulled out, she ha- her body goes through the grate through the hole. It's it still does not work for me at all. I so yes, this is the death where I'm like this could have been a really cool death, but they fuck it up by not showing it cuz mm-hmm. here's the problem. We saw this death in Alien Resurrection. And that was a tiny hole. <laughs> yeah. This is a big hole with some grates. And I get that they didn't have the money for it. It's fine. But all we mm. see is some meat. Like it sucked out. Like a little bit. And oh, yeah. this could have been a really cool disturbing death. And granted, she has that line, this sucks on so many levels. Which Roger Ebert used in his review to describe this movie. And it's just kind of like, eh. Like, <laughs> there she yeah. is. Yeah. It lands with a bit of a thud, particularly since, I I don't know, I'm never a fan of characters quipping before they die because it just really undermines any kind of emotional impact that it's going to have. Like, it's the movie poking fun at itself. And this movie does it a couple times because we did it with Brodsky. So when he dies, he's also like, ha, it'll take more than that to kill me. And then he gets stabbed a second oh, time yeah, and he yeah. goes, that'll do it. I also, okay. It feels like the kind of jokes that Clue would deliver, but this ain't Clue. So with Janessa flying back towards this hole, I sometimes wonder if she just stuck her feet out 
and like stood on the <laughs> wall as it was like sucking her back, would it have just like sucked everything out of her vagina? Oh my god, Trace. This is like two weeks in a row where you were just talking about like things going in and out of women's vaginas. You need to stop. I think I just need to take an anatomy class. Um, so <laughs> yeah, Janessa's you clearly Ted. don't know how a vagina works, but... Well, I, no, 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 So if it was a man, it would... Would it pull what, the penis Would it off? rip his dick off? No. Because yeah. <laughs> hey, that standing... would suggest that they would also lose a leg or a finger. You're standing <laughs> on how the bodies wall. Work. You're standing on the wall, like, just vertically with the hole in between your legs, but your feet are supporting you so you're not getting sucked through it, you know? I... I think if it could pull her off of the floor, she's not going to be able to withstand. Like her knees would buckle, and then she would just go through. Ooh, that ooh, ooh, ooh! Can you imagine? They could have folded her up like a trash compactor, yeah. and that would have been fun. That would have been kind of cool. Oh, we're mean. I, I mean, basically, this death to me is: hey, we spent all of our money on that really terrible FX to show Solaris blowing up and we got nothing left. So can somebody go out, get some meat, dip it in some fake blood, and we're just going to throw it up here and move it on. That's it. Yeah. Which is what we're going to do too. We're going to move on. Yep. Okay. Oh, also, sorry. So at this point. (laughs) (laughs) No, we're not moving on. No, no. Between, this is it. Between this and the VR segment that's coming up, I wrote Mm -hmm. in my notes, this score is so funny and I don't remember what that was for. Yeah. Okay. So I if y'all, if y'all have a clue, let me know. <laughs> help Trace. He can remember everything about the Lizzie McGuire movie, but not his but own not- funny notes about scores. <laughs> okay. So we are now down to three. Well, technically four if you're counting KM. <laughs> so we are. The yeah. movie is. Yes, that's true. Okay, so they discover... So the ship is there, but unfortunately there's no external power, so they can't open the door to get to the escape hatch, blah, blah, blah. Who could care? Brodsky decides that he's got to go EVA. The movie says EVA roughly four times in the space of two minutes. Sure. Do shots if you were drinking with this movie. So he goes out to do the EVA so that they can divert power so they can get to this escape hatch. And of course, this is when Uber Jason actually starts to show up and do something. So he is inside with them because he has punched his way back through the hole that Janessa went out. And he is now back on the ship proper with them. So in order to buy themselves time, Sunarin and KM. God damn it. I don't care. I'm never saying his name again. I I forget (laughs) Or it's just funny, and you could just let me keep saying it wrong. Sure. That's your yes and, is when you just go with yes it. Yes and you're wrong. Mistake. <sighs> nope. Okay. So, uh, they boot up the simulation. And, of course, this is probably the most iconic part of this film. I feel like when people think about successful moments from this film, they talk about this sequence. It is. And, and it... I think the sequence is genuinely good. Like, this is a... This is the movie at its peak. I wish more of the movie had been like this. Yeah, it almost seems like it... I wonder if they could have tried to incorporate this in earlier or maybe just do it for longer. I don't know. I I think this is really, really funny. So they boot up an immersive Crystal Lake experience circa 1980, just like the original film, mm-hmm. complete with two girls who doff their tops and talk about their love of beer, weed, and premarital sex. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So it's... um. I want to hear an affectation on this line reading, Trace. I'm going to do it. First of all, you have this really bad Rowan line reading, though, where he's like, oops. And she's like, 
nothing. You don't say oops. What oops? When he like thinks he sees him. Uh, line. Yeah, it's really bad. But then we get these two sluts. And <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. That's what they're meant to be. <laughs> that's a little harsh. Yeah. But they are just girls who like beer and weed and premarital sex. Hey, that though, doesn't make them sluts. White, white girl and Asian woman. Right. White woman and Asian woman. So, mm-hmm. okay. Hey, do you want to drink some beer? Or smoke some pot? Or we can have premarital sex. We love premarital sex. That's it. <laughs> and, but, yeah. like, while taking their tops off, yes, like you said, while they're saying yeah. this, and it just titties out. And then they just climb into sleeping bags. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, so apparently there was supposed to be a thing where he, like, has one sleeping bag in each hand, and he's spinning them around and, like, raising them over his head and bashing them against each other that way, but they didn't have the money to do the wire work for it. Oh, that's disappointing, isn't it? (laughs) But I kind of like how it goes, though, because it's like, you kind of hear them going, (laughs) and then he, like, bashes them, and they're like, ow, ow, It's uh, it's amusing. It's slightly less funny when you consider the sleeping bag murder from the remake because that shit's gruesome as fuck. Well, that's also an homage to the sleeping bag kill in part seven. Oh, I don't remember. It's been a very long time since I've seen Bitch, part seven. You so I really said at the beginning remember. of this episode that you had seen part seven. I have seen it. <laughs> I just don't remember everything. The sleeping from bag it. kill is like an iconic part of edited kills from part seven. Yeah, okay. Well, it's good to know that this franchise has a history with sleeping bags. Well, no, the reason this movie has the sleeping bag kill is because of part seven. And the reason that sleeping bag kill is in the remake is because of part seven. I see. Okay. Well, that is the fact that I learned from this recording. Okay. No one can trust you again, but that's fine. Well, your your other fun fact about the scene is that apparently the casting director's name was Robin Cook, and she and apparently director Jim Isaac did not want anything to do with this, and Cook was so adamant about it because she thought that it was gratuitous nudity just for the sake of gratuitous nudity that she refused to cast these actresses, and she therefore made her assistant do it. Well... Two things. One, fuck you, Robin Cook. Two, when her name popped up on the opening credits, I totally thought it was the author, Robin Cook. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes, noted uh, noted medical author. <laughs> I know. Robin Cook directed or cast this movie. <laughs> yeah, so that sucks. I don't know. I don't. I actually agree with her. I mean, this is very obviously gratuitous nudity for the sake of gratuitous nudity. Yeah, for sure. I think they could have done this with just having the girls in halter tops. They could have, you know, bounced their tits around a little bit, and then they could have been like, yeah, let's have premarital sex. So the the boobs felt to me like, meh, you know what? The movie doesn't need it. And it feels particularly odd just because there is nothing else like this. Like, the rest of the movie is so tame when it comes to nudity. Right. I don't know. Well, especially now that we know that Lisa Ryder had a breastplate. Yeah. Like, could these actresses have not just had breastplates? Or maybe none at all? No, they were jiggling around to get premarital sex. (sighs) Right. Nothing says premarital sex like jiggly boobs. Yep. I think. (laughs) Okay. So, yeah. uh, I do like the fact that we get the cut so that, you know, he 
he sees these girls and then we cut back and we see Rowan doing shit and then we come back and it's like he's just banging away on the sleeping bags. It's very I like oh. that bit of editing. Oh. Ow. Ow. <laughs> yeah. So they did and unfortunately it means that Uber Jason is back on the hunt of real people. So thankfully Brodsky has managed to connect the power. They make it onto the escape shuttle. I hate the fact that he's like, oh, I forgot KM's head. And she goes back for it. I was just like, no. Like, in this situation, you would be like, you can make a new one. You can make a new sex robot later. Yeah, but it's it's her soul. It's her. Anyway, so she does. She almost gets killed. But, of course, Brodsky is there to rescue her. And then they end up having to leave him behind so that we can get... Another person of color making a sacrifice. So they fly away in this spaceship. And uh, it seems like Jason is actually going to get them one last time because the entire shuttle finally explodes. Or sorry, Grendel explodes (laughs) and it launches Jason directly at them. This visual is so great. Absolutely terrible shot of Brodsky somehow basically sidelining him. (laughs) Yeah, like, it looks like they're on a football field, and Brodsky just tackles him from the side before he can get to their ship. There's no reason that Brodsky would be able to, like, projectile himself Mm -mm. into Jason. (laughs) Like, I've seen gravity, guys. I know that's not how this works. Yeah, I'm gonna go back to Alien Covenant, where they're fixing the the sail and they've got like little things where they can control their speed and velocity but it's like in little puffs of air this fucking looks like brodsky has the capacity to drive a truck with accuracy to nail jason (laughs) it's insane and then this is literally the end where they just watch him go off and they're like bye and we never see them again No, no. Presumably the three of them start an unconventional family, you know, husband, wife, and android. I guess. And uh, instead we follow Brodsky punching Jason while riding him like the end of a uh, Stanley Kubrick film. As they travel back down into Earth 2's atmosphere, they start to burn up and... The film ends as a pair of horny teenagers mistake the light for a shooting star and they pledge to go check it out as we see the uber Jason Mouse settle on the bottom of the lake, suggesting that we will get more franchise entries to come. Spoiler alert, we won't. Not in this universe. I, I will confess, I actually would love a sequel to Jason X. Like, I would love to see Jason on Earth 2. Uh, <laughs> You're I mean... like, nope, not me. <laughs> I mean, the novelty of this film is that they're in fucking space. They don't take advantage of it because they don't have the budget. So can you imagine what they're not going to be able to do with an Earth 2? I mean, Earth 2 looks like Earth 1. But how fucking boring is that? That's just know. another Put Jason movie. Put some devices into it. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's so, going to be like a normal Earth except people have jetpacks. <laughs> so final thoughts on Jason X. Uh... You know what? Sadly, Jason X doesn't really hold up for me. I thought that it was a lot of fun. And while there are brief moments where the film is self-aware, it's got a certain campy appeal. Overall, there's some really bad pacing. The special effects are bad. And a lot of these people are just, I hesitate to say because they are fellow Canadians, not a lot of good acting in this movie. Oh man, Canada! <laughs> yeah, I I might have to move to the states. I might get I might get evicted. Yeah, I 
I like it more than you do. I still gave this a three because I'm like, you know what? I don't care. It's, yeah, it's, it's not. Honestly, if it didn't drag so much in the middle, I think I would like it more. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's dumb. It's silly. It's stupid. Um, I wish they would have devoted more of the budget to the practical effects than they would to the space effects. But oh, for sure. It's fine. Is it fine? Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's totally fine. And that is what it is. It's not the worst entry. It's not the best entry in this franchise, but it's there. Yeah. And I can understand why it appeals to some people and why, you know, a lot of people I think are going to be disappointed that we don't love this film more. Here's the thing. It hasn't aged particularly well. I think it, I, well, I know for sure. I've thought it was funnier when it first came out, but, uh, you know, when you know what special effects are capable of, this film just isn't cutting it even back in 2001 times, but. I agree. Uh, I do have one final thing that I want to share with you before we move into our usual housekeeping. So the Friday the 13th fandom is a wiki that is notorious for having absolutely ridiculous entries in it. So people like to speculate and build up entire fake histories that they somehow believe are fact. You can do this with a lot of entries in the Friday the 13th franchise and get some very funny comments out of it. I just wanted to highlight Janessa's biography for you on Mm. this entry. Oh, my God. So it reads as follows. Janessa P. Zachary tries to prevent Kinza for committing until Uber Jason punches a hole through the hull. I'm literally reading it verbatim. Yeah. She tries to run away, but the wind is too strong, and she was sucked out through the metal grate and eaten by it and died after her quote, oh, this sucks on so many levels. Before she, Rowan LaFontaine, Sergeant Brodsky, KM-14, and Sunarin escape. Her death shocks everyone because she is sent to space before she is sliced apart by the grate. She is Jason's 132nd victim. It also indicates that Stoney was her brother. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yuck. Okay. Y'all, listeners, I don't mean to be rude, but if one of you wrote that, (laughs) please DM me. (laughs) What the fuck? That, yeah, oh. there's a bit of an English going on, but there's also some very creative liberties being taken with what happens. I, the space ate her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I wish I was like stoned right now because I feel like I would enjoy that even more. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, okay, well, that was a treat. I re- that was like a nice dessert after a shitty ass meal. Mm-hmm. So we'll move into housekeeping. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit our Horror Queers Facebook page or join our exclusive Horror Queers Facebook group. Tweet the show at Horror Queers or email us at horrorqueers at gmail.com. If you have two seconds, please head over to iTunes and leave us a rating or write a review. If you want even more content, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash horrorqueers, where you can sign up for exclusive bonus episodes covering recent horror films like Fantasy Island and The Invisible Man. Uh, we also have an audio commentary on Hollow Man that I believe dropped this week. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that'll be fun. But Joe, mm-hmm. what are we covering next week? 
So, in honor of your departure for South by Southwest, I mean your departure, basically, you're going to leave the house, you're going to go to a bunch of movies, but for our purposes, it's like you're going to a film festival, so you're traveling in spirit. I don't even know what I'm saying. You're going to be at South by Southwest, so in honor of a favorite South by Southwest experience of yours, we're going to cover 2016's The Ranger. All right, listeners, um, this is on Shudder. Spoiler alert, I do not like this movie. Spoiler alert, there is some drama that I will be dishing on in next week's episode. So if you've never seen oh, the movie... Oh, you're going to reignite that fire, are you? I'm going to reignite a fire uh, because the people that are that are mad at me about this movie um, would probably still never... still mad at you. Oh, yeah, they're totally still mad at me. Um, but they would never think that I would want to talk about it on a podcast. And... I am going to be as diplomatic and civil as possible, but I am going to give some dirt on this film. So, uh, Mm. please go watch this movie, knowing that I don't think it's good. Some people enjoy (laughs) it. I don't. And check back in with us next week. (laughs) All right. Well, with that weighted homework assignment, cool. Yep. Oh, so yeah. (laughs) Your cue. (laughs) On that note, we can cross out Jason X. Yes, and cross out horror queers. The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network, home of creepy, disturbing, and terrifying creepy pastas, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling. Horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and the Boo Crew. Horror-centric interviews. Listen free wherever you stream audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.